your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So the Kenyan government plans to close down all its refugee camps, including the Dadaab refugee complex, which is the largest of its kind in the world. Here's a quote from the Kenyan interior minister this week. On Wednesday, he said, for reasons of pressing national security that speak to the safety of Kenyans in a context of terrorist and criminal activities, the government of the Republic of Kenya has commenced the exercise of closing Dadaab refugee complex. That's going to cause repercussions beyond Kenya, surely. Let's bring in Maria Burnett, senior researcher at the Africa Division of Human Rights Watch. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, could you lay out some of your initial concerns about that statement? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, clearly, Kenya has been host to hundreds of thousands of refugees, mostly from Somalia, although there are refugees from South Sudan and Ethiopia as well. Um, and there is just simply no way that such a, an effort of closing these camps can occur uh, in anything like a way that would be respectful of the rights of these people or within the obligations that Kenya has under international refugee law. But what is so the... we remain very concerned that these people will uh, face really serious problems, lack mm. of food, of lack of water, of lack of basic necessities beyond the problem of police abuse, obviously. But, but what is the national security threat that uh, was referred to there? Well, the Kenyan government has argued uh, many times that that uh, Dadaab in particular um, is a threat to its national security because of uh, the possibility that uh, some terrorist attacks that have occurred in Kenya were planned uh, in those camps or that people from those camps carried out the attacks. It's certainly true that Kenya has had uh, several horrendous terrorist attacks in recent years, which Al-Shabaab, the armed Islamist group from Somalia, has claimed credit for. But there isn't clear evidence to connect the attacks in Kenya to the refugee population. And many times the Kenyan government has basically blamed uh, its refugee population for its national security problems. Uh, there just isn't evidence of that. And no matter what, it should be part of a law enforcement operation. People who are suspected to be involved in terrorist activities should be investigated and prosecuted. But hundreds of thousands of people cannot be forced back to a situation which is volatile and unsafe. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are uh, conditions actually like at the moment in these camps? Well, it depends. There are still uh, food handouts and rations. Rations have been recently reduced, so people are struggling. But some people have been in this camp for 20 or 25 years. This is more like a city than like a refugee camp for many people. People have their lives there. Uh, the Kenyan government, you know, has over a couple of years tried to stop refugees from moving around in Kenya and has, you know, forced people from Nairobi, the capital, into the camps. So there certainly are recent arrivals who clearly struggle more than those who have been there for a very long time. Mm. Are there any precedents for this that would give us an idea of the impact, not just on the refugees themselves, but also on neighbouring countries? We've all already seen a migration crisis in Europe. Would this even contribute to that? 
Well, there there are Somalis, for example, who have been part of the influx of refugees into southern Europe. So Somalis clearly uh, still are at risk in Somalia, and al-Shabaab still also poses risk to Somalis. There's no doubt about it. But the notion that a government can pick up and move over 300,000 people is absolutely unprecedented. You know, the, cover, the Kenyan government statement has said that they've disbanded their refugee directorate. You know, that is the office that would have to start doing individual assessments of each person, because the other point that the Kenyan made is that they don't want to accept Somalis as prima facie refugees, mm-hmm. meaning they want to do an individual status determination for each arriving Somali. But they would need staff to do that, and that staff would come from the director of Refugee Affairs. So arguing that they're going to disband these offices and simply throw everyone back across the border is not only unlawful and immoral, it's absolutely logistically impossible. So, uh, you know, many of us are very concerned that this is uh, potentially a rhetoric, a threat, um, blaming the refugee population, and ultimately a way to try to force uh, increased donor assistance to, to Kenya to help deal with the refugee population. And clearly, international partners should be playing their part. But no one should be fear-mongering and blaming refugees for all of Kenya's problems. We've documented a lot of abuses against uh, the refugee population in Kenya over many years. Mm. Now, this is all set to happen by the end of this year, which also no doubt contributes to your feeling of uh, concern that that it won't be handled very efficiently or or particularly comfortably for the refugees in question. But is there any chance, given that short time span, that the government will be able to reverse its decision? Well, we certainly hope that there's plenty of space to reverse this decision. You know, if donors can come together to support uh, some of the humanitarian needs and the Kenyan government can get assistance with that, I certainly think that there's a chance that we'll at least see um, the situation remain static, which is not to say that people's lives will improve, but at least we may not see a sort of grand pushback of hundreds of thousands of people. I think it's certainly clear there's been a massive outcry from the NGO community and the humanitarian community to criticize this decision. Even the Somali government has said that they have a lot of concerns about this decision. So um, we remain hopeful that the Kenyan government will choose to comply with its obligations under international refugee law and protect people who are fleeing warfare and violence. Can we just uh, get a better insight into the extremism uh, situation there, though? Uh, And you said that, for example, Dadaab was more like a city for many of these residents rather than refugees, as many of us might imagine them. But uh, if if they were looking to flee places like Somalia in the first place, why have they been able to be hotbeds for planning attacks and so on? Well, I don't think that we can say, at least as Human Rights Watch, that we have any evidence that these refugee camps have been a place that have, uh, where um, attacks have been planned. Uh, in some of the cases of the large-scale attacks which have occurred, such as the Westgate Mall attack or the attack on Garissa University, it would appear that those perpetrators who were killed in the attacks were uh, Kenyans. So they're just, uh, you know, we don't have evidence and we haven't seen the Kenyan government present evidence clearly that um, that the refugee population in these areas is is directly connected to some of the attacks that have occurred. And as we said, you know, if they get evidence of that, then obviously there should be investigations and people who are making those attacks possible should be prosecuted. 
but the response to those attacks cannot be the full-scale rejection of hundreds of thousands of people. It's not even close to proportionate. And in conclusion, then, uh, money or other motivating factors you think would be perhaps uh, more influential here? I think uh, clearly money is a major is a major issue. Obviously, it's a challenge uh, to support the livelihoods of this many people. That being said, this, these these camps are also an economic livelihood for Kenyans. There are many, many, many Kenyans who work in these camps and provide services in these camps. So there's economic issues on all sides, mm. but uh, we remain hopeful that eventually we will see a uh, scaling down of hateful and discriminatory rhetoric against the refugee population, and we'll see money coming together to ensure that these people's lives can be protected. Maria Burnett, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Ms. Burnett, they're from the Africa Division of Human Rights Watch. Our email is open to you if you want to have your say on this or any of our topics, efmthismorning at gmail.com.